And everything about the Holy Spirit gives life. And so I want to talk to you today really about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit gifts us with everything that we need for everything that he's called us to do. We are the gifted church. That's the title of my message today. We're the gifted church. We've been gifted by the Holy Spirit with every single thing that we need for everything that he's called us to do. We're not just a a human organization. We're not just a charity or a business or anything like that. We are the body of Christ. We are the divine people. We are the remnant people in that we have consecrated ourselves to what God has called us to. Many people do call them Christian, themselves Christians, but the Spirit of God is not alive with them. They're not born again of the Spirit. They're not full of the Holy Spirit. Whereas, whereas we believe that that's important, that we don't just say that we're Christians, but we experience everything that God has for us, that we experience life in our inner being, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not just a force. You know Star Wars? He's not like that. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. And he comes in a very personal way. And one of the ways that he comes and shows himself in our midst, in the church, and in the context that we find ourselves ministering, preaching, evangelizing as well, he will show up with his gifts. I want to talk to you about that. It's, not, it's something that we practice as a church, but it's not something we always teach on, simply because we want to teach on uh, everything that the Word of God says. But this is something that the Word of God talks about as well. And you know, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, there was an, an incredible awakening of people. People were coming into the faith, faith in Jesus Christ, by the thousands, then the tens of thousands, and within 300 years, the, the millions, okay? So how did it grow? It was through the work of the Holy Spirit. It was through the Holy Spirit poured out on believers who would then be witnesses to Jesus. And those believers were often accompanied by miracles, healings, signs, wonders, prophecy, all of those things. And that's powerful, and we need those things. If we, if we can think we can do without those things, we're wrong. You know, a gift is only a gift if you need it. If someone buys you something you don't need, it's not a gift, is it? But because they are gifts from God, and he calls them gifts, then by nature, they're something that we need. And at the end, we're going to be uh, seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit at the end. So... Let your faith rise in this message. And I'm going to be telling you some stories as well today of how this all works. And so even though the church was growing, even though the church was powerful, was full of the Holy Spirit, was, had this kind of pure motive, we don't always get it right. And there's a need for correction. There's a need for guidance. There's a need for instruction so that we're getting it right. And this is part of the reason why Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who started many churches, one of them was a church in Corinth, he wrote letters to them. And one of his letters, 1 Corinthians, addresses many different things in the life of that church. You know, the good things and the bad things. And then eventually he comes to 1 Corinthians 12. And it's going to be on the screen behind me. And then he says these words. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... 
I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them in everyone. Notice the Trinity there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit, the Lord, and God, the Father. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to the other, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. And these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And so Paul tells them that the reason he's, he's writing this is that he doesn't want them to be ignorant. He wants them to have an understanding of what these gifts are, gifts that they're already practicing uh, in the life of their church, gifts that they're experiencing. You know, maybe people are speaking in tongues all the time by the sounds of it. So it certainly seems that way as you read on without remembering there's other gifts. There's also the ability to interpret those gifts as well. If we just turn the microphone down a tad, just bouncing up a little bit here, thank you. But the thing, before Paul goes into telling them about what the gifts are, he reminds them why we have them in the first place. And so in verse 7, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the reason why we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit is for the good. And really the context of this particular area of Scripture is not just for the gifts of the Spirit out when you're doing evangelism. It's mainly within the the church. So that's what he's talking about when he's talking about how the manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. It's for your good. It's for my good. Amen? Who's ever had a prophetic word at just the right time from someone who is listening to God? I can see some hands waving because it's important. It strengthens us. We don't have things like that going on. We're weaker because of it. And so if you go further in your gift, right, I get better as well. And it all works together. And I'll talk to you a little bit about that in a moment. There's partnerships of how these gifts work together. Sometimes someone can give a tongue in the church, okay, a a public tongue, speaking in tongues, and someone can interpret that gift. And I've seen many times where people will come forward and to interpret that tongue, and it'll be the same interpretation. Now, why doesn't God just give a prophecy? Hey, God can do what he wants, right? God gives to each as he apportions. And it's a sign as well. It's a sign of something supernatural going on and, and confirmation of it. I've often seen the gift of words of knowledge at work with the gift of healing as well. I've seen how they paired together. Um, Maybe someone in the church will say, I, I feel like God's saying there's someone here with this problem, and then the healing will come. I don't know if I shared with you last week, 
but I, I prayed for a guy in Norwich uh, two weeks ago who I got a word of knowledge. Okay, I felt like God had told me that he had asthma, a non-Christian guy. And so he, he said yes, and we prayed for him. And not only did he sense an improvement in his lungs, but God also grew and straightened his leg as well and healed his knee pain, which was very painful for him at the time. And afterwards, it was gone. Praise God. So that was two gifts at the same time. That was the word of knowledge. Knowledge, something I don't understand in my natural noggin. Right? Amen? Hannah's laughing now. Faith, noggin. She's not going to laugh again. Just once. Right? You see, you have a, a limit to what you know, but God knows everything, doesn't he? You know, and the amazing thing is, when you give that gift, when you operate in that gift of the word of knowledge, it inspires faith in someone, doesn't it? Because you're like, wow, God's talking to me. So then your faith rises, their faith rises, plus you know what particular thing God's going to heal. Now, I have one example. I prayed about this, if I was going to share this, and I am going to share this, because it's a little bit out there, of how I saw God uh, work a word of knowledge before. And I want to give my own example again, and I've seen it work in others as well. But it was a, f- it was a few years back, I was in Cambridge where we lived, and uh, me and Hannah went for a walk with one of our friends around the colleges, around the rivers. And then we bumped into two Christian friends of this lady that we were walking with. And uh, I hadn't met the guy before that that I was being introduced to. He was, a, he was an older American guy, and he was part of this church, a Calvary Chapel church. And um, he was just talking to me how he's ruined his life, basically. He's been selfish. He's not married anymore. And now he's over in England asking God what he wants to do. Now, as he's talking to me, I go into an open vision. And I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't in a particularly spiritual mood. He was just talking to me about... What, I'm just seeking God, what he wants me to do. And literally in the air above his head, okay, I start seeing the word Denmark. Like in really lovely, ornate text, Denmark. And then I see a hand draw the borders of a country, which I assume was Denmark. And then it just disappeared. And I was like, wow. And um, so anyway, he finished, he's finished talking. I'm, you know, trying to f- make sense of what just happened. And I say to him, can I ask you a question? Does Denmark mean anything to you? He's American. He's like, yeah, Denmark does mean something to me. So I explained the vision that I had. And he said to me, my ancestors are from Denmark. They traveled through Denmark to the United States a long time ago. That's my ancestry. And my last name in Dutch means Denmark. Like, wow. Because obviously that's his ancestry, you know, it's where you get your second name from. And, I'm, and, then, and then I get a prophecy. See how these things work together? I see because you're called to Denmark, aren't you? You're called to minister to men, preach the gospel to men in Denmark, aren't you? And you're called to that and you know that already. Yes. So he's asking, I'm asking God what I need to do. I'm over here, I don't know what to do. And I get this word. It's like, you already know what you need to do. But he was struggling with it because it's, a big, it's going to be a big jump, right? To a country he doesn't know, to a language he doesn't know. But God had already been speaking to him about, that's how it usually works with prophecy, is God has already maybe put that impression on you first. 
And then he, he come and confirms it. And I imagine for him that was a big confirmation of a, a calling. Never spoken to him since, but th- that's how they can work together. Sometimes within the one person operating in two gifts or within several people within a context. And so Paul talks about how we are one body with many members. And from verse 12 he says, Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense where uh, would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there be that there be that there be. I'm so sorry. That there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care. For one another. For if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Amen. So when when we were here last week, we were ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. People were receiving words. And when they're being touched, when they're being encouraged, we're all encouraged, don't we? And if someone's struggling, we struggle with them. We feel their pain because they're not distant from us. They're not disconnected from us. You are born again of the Spirit. They are born again of the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's harder to uh, rejoice with those who rejoice than it is to suffer with those who suffer. Because sometimes we're waiting for breakthrough ourselves and someone else gets it. But remember that we're all in it together. If you're going further and if God's blessing you, he's also blessing me. Because he's blessing us collectively. And that's the way we need to see it. There's a need for unity. There's a need to recognize that we all have different functions. We're not all the same. Some of you today have heard the examples I've shared and go, I don't have any of those things. I've never experienced any of those things. That's completely fine. That is completely, That does not make you less spiritual. It does not change anything about you. We all grow in the gifts that God has given to us when he apportions them. There's a a prophet that I met a few years ago called Bill James, and he has been a prophet to people like Barack Obama, President Trump. God's just put him in these incredible places of influence. And he was sharing about how he grew in his gift of prophecy. I mean, when you hear him prophesy, he will prophesy over you for literally 20 minutes, and it will all be accurate. He is just on this uh, another level. Go check out Bill James uh, if you get the chance to. Most humble guy I know. And he talks about how he started to practice hearing the voice of God. Today we talked about hearing the still, small voice. And what he started to do, he started to uh, ask God which oranges were the juiciest oranges in the grocery store. And then he'd come home and go, wow, this was a juicy one, right? Oh, that was God speaking to me. So simple. And it's amazing to incorporate God into your everyday life. And he talks about, I remember him sharing a story of... um, this man uh, who was looking for a church position and he couldn't get a job anywhere. But God had already told Bill, 
uh, in his early 20s that this pastor should look for a job in this particular part of the country. And eventually this friend of his looked in every part of the country and couldn't get a job in any church. And then Bill said, you know, I had this word for you a long time ago that you should go to this church over here. And it turned out that that was the only church that was going to give him this job. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? He says, well, I didn't want to ruin your life by giving you a wrong word. And his friend said to him, so you chose to ruin my life by not giving me the word. Because <laughs> sometimes we're scared, aren't we? Especially when it comes to prophecy. I mean, think about it. If I say to you, you will marry so-and-so, which I'll never do, by the way. I'll never give you something. You'll never get, you, should, you probably shouldn't get something that directive from anyone. It should be kind of confirmatory. Um, if someone says, God's told me you should marry me, just run from that person. <laughs> run as far as you can. Well, he didn't tell me that. That's what you should say. All right. So usually it will come. And like Asari was saying, you know, he was preparing to give his testimony today. And then someone else said something. Someone else said something. He gave a sense of confirmation. So, okay, we're on the right track. And in the church setting, someone can come up and prophesy. Okay. But I liked, I think it's a good practice in a church context that we don't just prophesy from our seats. Because first of all, no one can hear, not everyone can hear you. But second of all, you can keep that unity of the spirit, right? So if you come and whisper in my ear, you know, whisper in my ear, but if you come and just tell me before or tell whoever's leading, you know, I feel like God's saying this, then you get an extra sense of covering and strengthening um, as, as well. If you're not sure, you know, don't just blurt something out if you're not sure. It's okay to take your time. It's okay to ask other people. It's okay to bring it all together. And if you do, then there's a, greater, there's a greater sense of power. And also, it's not just you doing your own thing and saying, God says this, and I don't care what people think, right? Not that anyone does that here, but that can happen in churches. And so, and so we need to work together and realize, okay, someone's got that gift, someone's got that gift, someone operates in that way, okay? Different man- By the way, there's more gifts of the Spirit and manifestations of the Spirit than the nine gifts we just read about. There's dreams, interpretation of dreams. They're all biblical. Right back to the book of Genesis with Joseph. So, really reminds me when I read 1 Corinthians 12, really reminds me of Romans 12, when Paul says that we're many body, we're one body with many members, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. That's what he says in Romans 12. Let us use them then. If it's prophecy, in proportion with our faith. If it's service, serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads, do it with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So there's a list of giftings there. Sometimes these are called the redemption giftings, but they're really about how God equips uh, people in the life of the church to really move the mission of God forward. And these are just as much spiritual gifts as any other gifts. So Someone has an act of serving, hospitality, um, administration, okay? I've seen people who can't really preach that well, who can really lead and organize things so well, right? And, uh, and you need a mix of everything. And you need to see that you need them, they need you. Otherwise, we're not going anywhere, amen? So don't compare yourself to anyone else. Don't compare what you don't have, 
Share what you do have. Share what you do have. If, you're, if your calling is to teach, if your calling is to contribute, you might have a gift of generosity. Okay? You might have been blessed with resources and finances at the right time to give to something that God's doing. That is a gift. And it's no less a gift than any other. And we need that. And we need to use them in proportion with our faith, which means that we have character and gifting. It's not either or. It's both and together. And so coming back to 1 Corinthians, as you know, after 1 Corinthians 12 is the chapter about love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, about what true Christian love is. But then, remember at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says in verse 31, he talks about, do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. That's how he ends 1 Corinthians 12. Then in 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about love is the motivation of all that we do. But then he carries on with the same thought in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, where he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So pursue love. Make sure love is the main thing. Love for God, love for people. Okay, if you don't have that, you should not be doing anything. You should not be ministering. You should not be leading or anything, right? If that, is, you know, if that isn't your motivation. But if you're pursuing that and you know you're walking in love, you're walking in the light, then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks to men, speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to other people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now read, don't forget this verse. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So he says, pursue love, but pursue prophecy. Do I want you to speak in tongues? Should you be speaking in tongues? Yes, you should. Why? Because it builds you up. When you pray in tongues, when you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself up. You edify yourself up. It says many times throughout the New Testament, pray in the Spirit. Pray and build yourself up in the holy faith. That's in Ephesians 6, that's in the book of Jude, it's all over the New Testament. It's something we must do. We must, however, that's good for you. That's good for you. If there's, no, if there's an interpretation of what you're saying, that's good for everyone. But I tell you, prophecy is always good for everyone. That's what Paul's saying. Prophecy builds up the church. When prophecies come, we're strengthened. When prophecies come, we know where we're going. We know what God's saying, and we can work with him. I was talking with Glow in the break just now about how we had a prophecy in 2019 that God was going to shift everything like completely in the next in the coming years, completely. And did he do that? Yes. And he even told he even told us in that prophecy the outcome. It would come with an awakening in our, in our city that people will be shaken up to hear the gospel that there would be a song sung over Norwich. And so 
that prophecy has been so comforting because we've been through so much change and shift and so on, but now we can see what it was all about, that God's moving us forward to greater things. And so if our motivation is love, and if we desire the gifts, you must desire, God's not going to force the gifts on you. If you don't want to speak in tongues, if you're scared of that, he's not going to make you do that. You don't need to worry about that. You don't have to speak in tongues, but you get to speak in tongues. Amen? You get to. You don't have to prophesy, but you get to prophesy. And you get to speak what God's saying. And it can be amazing, especially if someone walks in. There was a lady here last week. I don't think she was a Christian. And uh, flowing very accurately in words of knowledge all between us. And uh, I think that was maybe convincing to her of something supernatural going on. And Paul talks about that as well in verse 24. He says, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare, God is really among you. And later on, Paul talks about how we don't just prophesy, we don't just use the gifts willy-nilly, right? We use them at the right time, for the right reasons, and in turn. And verse 31, it says, For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn, and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And that verse, verse 32, I know it's not on the screen, but it talks about how the spirits of the prophets, okay, your spirit, right, you, your identity, is subject to you. God will not make you speak in tongues. God will not make you prophesy. That's down to you. Sometimes people say, I couldn't just help but do this thing in church. I couldn't just help but wave my arms crazy in the air or something like that. No, 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 you have control. Believe me, you have control over these things. However, however, we must desire them. And when we desire the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm closing with this thought, when we desire the gifts of the Spirit, and our motivation is love, when we love God, we want to say what he's saying. We want to be a voice for him. We want to see people healed, not so that we can make ourselves feel better, not that we can you know, convince ourselves that we're Christians or something like that, right? You want to see people healed because you don't want to see people suffering. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion. And then the next verse says, and he healed them. And so the motivation was love. The motivation was that God will heal them. God wants to impact them. And if your motivation is that, you will be used of God powerfully. Amen? Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to... We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come with a body of Christ. We're gifted for service. It's something that's good for everyone. And for everyone through the Holy Spirit, we've been gifted with everything we need. We need to grow in it. We need to learn. And we need to recognize each other's giftings. We're all at different places with it, but we can all go higher. Desire the higher giftings. And let our motivation be love. Let our motivation be the glory of God. And when it is, you will see great things.